1: fine line that needs to be established I understand that but when we're walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the love of Christ we need to be friends of sinners not of the sin but friends of sinners you might be the only Bible the only sermon that they ever read or hear because they'll see Christ living in you In today's message, Pastor David continues his study
0: of Paul's discipline of certain actions within the Corinthian church. Paul wrote to insist that they remember that they're to be like Jesus Christ, especially with one another. God has standards of behavior for those who follow him so that Christians can be a light to the world. As a light, Christians must utilize their influence and place of life to illustrate the relationship God desires to have with all people. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, In-House Cleaning.
1: the midst of the Corinthian culture, that church there in Corinth, had come to the conclusion that it was okay for this to happen. It's okay for this thing to be in the church, for us to even have some sort of pride in the fact that, uh, hey, you know, we're, we're tolerant about these kinds of things. Paul says you're puffed up about it. They were proud of their tolerance. And beloved, this is, this is, this is the current push of our culture on the church today. That we would be tolerant of all things. The world's making every effort it can to get the church to weaken its biblical stance to receive this ever changing moral standards of this antichrist culture that we live in. And the sad truth is, there's a lot of churches, there's a lot of denominations that are selling out. They're selling out the word of God in order to live comfortable within the world system, and they're moving. If they haven't sold out already, they're moving in that direction. And you know what? Many of them that are moved that way, they're puffed up about their tolerance. Hey, you know, we're fine. You know, we, we allow this to happen in our church. We allow this to happen. We, we're okay with this. No, we don't. we don't stand against abortion. No, we don't stand against uh, homosexuality. No, we don't stand against those things. Those are just people's choices. And yet, beloved, those are the things that are destroying culture. They are definitely destroying and coming against the truth in the word of God. We need to clearly understand the biblical standard of love and compassion towards sinners and yet not promote, honor, or encourage the sin. Do you understand what I'm saying there? We need to be those that have love and compassion. We need to be those that are, are going to be able to, to come alongside, not to encourage the sin, not to promote the sin, but to encourage that individual to walk in righteousness rather than in sin. The sin needs to be dealt with. It, it needs to be rebuked if it is in the church. I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus symbolizes believers and non-believers as sheep, sheep, and goat. I started to say sheep and goats, but I won't do that. All you guys on this side are goats. No, he's, he symbolizes the believers as sheep and the non-believers as goats. Have you ever seen a goat try to act like a sheep? It ain't gonna happen. It's just that they, they don't have the nature, they don't have the abilities. Sheep acting like goats? Well, in a spiritual sense, we see that all the time. My point is, we can't expect goats to act like sheep. And therefore, you know, when we're dealing with sin, when we're dealing with these issues, understand who you're dealing with. When we're dealing with the issues of just sin, the general nature of sin in our culture, it needs to be dealt with a, literally a, a sadness in reference to the spiritual status of that offender. If that offender is lost, the most important thing is not for them to quit being an adulterer or a fornicator or to quit in their homosexual lifestyle. The most important thing in their life is to get their life to come to Jesus Christ, to come to Jesus. And don't tell me that they have to quit being a homosexual or an adulterer or a fornicator or a thief or a murderer or an extortioner before they come to Christ. Because none of us came that way. Just as the hymn says, just as you are. He'll clean us from the inside out. Man wants to clean us from the outside in, don't we? Make me feel comfortable by you looking good. And God says, no, let me start with the inside and we'll take care of the outside. So there's gotta be that compassion. There's got to be that love. If they're lost, man, we need to share Jesus with them. If they say that they're saved, if they say that they know the Lord Jesus, they say that they're following Christ and we know that, no, you're you're living in in, an apparent, overt, blatant and continual sin and you need to stop that. The judgment of God is going to come. And not only is it going to impact you, but it's going to impact those that are close to you. We need to understand the spiritual status of the offender. Our actions need to be surrounded by that holy fear for both the individual, those others that are involved, and the consequences, particularly if it's a believer, for the consequences of the church as a whole. In essence, what Paul is telling him, he says, guys, this is a no-brainer. I'm not even there and I can see this issue. It's sinful, it's wrong, and it needs to be dealt with right now. He tells him in verse four, In the name of the Lord Jesus, when you're gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. A lot of people say they have a great difficulty with that short portion of the passage. What does it mean to deliver one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus? Number one, I believe it is apparent in what Paul is saying, is that this guy is most likely, if he is, a believer. And yet he's living like a non-believer. And we're going to see in just a moment, he says, man, separate yourself from him. Get him, get him out of the fellowship of the church. Don't just kind of you know, let, him, let him float along and pretend that everything is fine and dandy and, hey, we'll deal with this along the way. No, there, there needs to be an action that the church as a whole needs to take why? Because the church as a whole needs to deal with sin. Because if we don't, what happens with the other brother over here or the other sister over there? You see, when, when it's being dealt with, and we go back to even to Matthew 18, where Jesus says, this is where you deal with sin one-on-one first. If he doesn't listen, bring somebody along with you. If they don't listen, then bring the elders with you. If they still don't listen, then bring him before the church. And I believe at this point in time, man, it's, it's probably been dealt with. And Paul says, no, you need to deal with it now. You need to take him out of the church. Don't be puffed up in in, in your tolerance for this. And outside the covering, the the prayer covering, the encouragement, and and the blessings of the church, this individual is just out in the world. And I believe that again, outside of that covering, the the spiritual covering, the, the, the prayer covering, the discipleship as well as the disciplining and the iron sharpening iron, all that goes in being in relationship with a local church. Once you're out of that, man, it's, it, it's a scary world out there. He says, the idea the hope is, and just take him out of the church. He's not losing his salvation. No, just take him out that the flesh can be dealt with so that hopefully then the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. It's a difficult thing, and we're going to look at it in a minute, this whole idea of church discipline. It's, it's not done very much today, but it's something that I believe needs to be done. Before we get there, let me, let me go on, because Paul continues to speak to them. In, F, in essence, he takes the, uh, the, the Feast of Passover as an example, when all the leaven, you know, the, the yeast, is removed from a home during the Feast of Passover. The removal of the leaven, the leaven symbolizing sin, remove that from the home, both from the house, uh, also as in the example from the church, and from the individual's life, each member of that church. In verse 6, he says, your glorying is, is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you truly are unleavened you truly are unleavened. As the church, what he's saying here is, it's not that we're without sin, but the righteousness of Christ has cleansed us. But do we, as Paul says in Romans, do we go on sinning that that grace may abound? God forbid. No, we don't do that. Why? Because we are righteous by the blood of the Lamb. He says, but you've allowed this infestation, this cancer, even as we spoke about her, this cancer to be a part of your fellowship. And th- instead of dealing with that cancer in a very severe way, you're actually feeding the cancer. You're boosting up the cancer. You're giving it. You're giving strength to that cancer. And you know what? It's going to spread within your fellowship if you don't deal with it. And yeah, it has to be dealt with in a severe way. That leaven, that yeast is going to permeate the entire loaf he says, for indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. He goes on to give them a little bit more clarity. And, and I think he goes on with this again, because I think the Corinthian church was probably not, not, not too unlike we are today, more, more, to, more to do a knee-jerk reaction than to thoughtfully and and prayerfully consider the next step and proceed under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Hey, you need to get rid of that. Okay, man, we'll, we'll get him. We'll take care of that. I mean, that's kind of the way we are. We hear a problem that needs to be fixed, and I don't know about you, all of you guys, and maybe some of you women, you hear something that needs to be fixed. Hey, okay, let's just go fix it. That's all there is to it. I think all too often we might have what's called the John Wayne mentality, you know, shoot them all, let God sort them out, okay? There's a problem, just wipe it out. Paul wants to make certain that they don't go that way, that they don't go overboard, that, that they don't make more foolish choices on the other side of the pendulum, okay? You've been very over-gracious on this. You've been allowing and tolerant of the sin, so don't make a similar mistake or an opposite mistake on the other side, I can even hear almost Paul's inflection as he's writing here. He says in verse 9, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. And yet I certainly didn't mean that the, with the sexually immoral people of the world or with the covetous or the extortionists or idolaters. Since then, you'd need to go out of the world. I didn't say get away from every sinful person and being. Otherwise, where are you going to go? To the moon? No, you become like monks. You separate yourself completely from the world. Why? Because I don't want to touch the world, because the world might stain me. So you go and hide out in caves. You build castles with moats around them. You seclude yourself from anything and everything in the world. But, beloved, we're supposed to be light to the world, we're supposed to be salt to the world, we're supposed to impact the world. So he says, man, I'm not saying you know, separate yourself from all that. You need to go out of the world. Again, Paul references that lost letter that we've spoken about. He says, I wrote to you in my epistle. That's the one that he's referring to, that earlier letter. He previously told them about how they were to live their lives, who they were to associate with. But now he wants to make certain that they understood the fullness of his comments. What he's saying. Think about it for a minute, guys. I don't know if you've noticed lately or not, but this world is full of sinful people. I mean, they're everywhere. I was at the gas station just the other day. It was this guy or this individual that was talking and, and swearing and smoking and saying all kinds of profane things. I don't think she was a believer. I think she was a sinful person the restaurant, I hear this couple that's talking, this young couple, talking about all the things and all these things that weren't very nice. I'm pretty sure by their language that they were heathens too. They're everywhere. I was, I was going down the street and went by the park. Saw a couple in the park. I wanted to roll my window down and say, hey, get a room. Yeah, but I had my air conditioning on. I didn't want to roll the window down. So Sinners are everywhere. But you know what? God has planted you and me right in the center of them to impact their lives. Not that their lives impact us, but that our lives would impact them. That's why Paul says, hey, I'm not talking about separating yourself from the world. I'm talking about within the church, somebody that's proud and boastful about their sin and they continue it on and everybody knows about it, but nobody wants to say anything about it. So they just continue on continue on. He says that you need to deal with. The ones in the world, you're going you're gonna to be there all the time. You're going to be right in the middle of them, and you're supposed to be a positive Christ-like example to them. So what was the Jesus example? Ooh, ooh, I know. He, he made a cat of nine tails, and he whipped them all, and he threw over the tables and everything. That's, that's the way Jesus deals with sin. No, that's the way he dealt with it in the temple. Bring it today, that's in the church, okay? That's the way he dealt with it in the church. How do you deal with it out in the world? Well, let me give you a hint. He was known as the friend of sinners and gluttons and bibbers and tax collectors. How do you think he dealt with them? I think he dealt with them with compassion and love. Why? Because they were goats. You can't expect them to act like sheep. They need to be born again. And when they're born again, they're born as sheep. But again, by the Spirit and power of God, their lives are then changed from the inside out. There's a fine line that needs to be established. I understand that. But when we're walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the love of Christ, we need to be friends of sinners. Not of the sin, but friends of sinners. You might be the only Bible the only sermon that they ever read or hear because they'll see Christ living in you. You see, if we say, oh, no, I've got on my white outfit. i got my white go-to-church outfit on. I don't want to get it stained by anything in the world. And so we avoid anybody and everybody that is in the world. Because their language doesn't fit ours, because their lifestyle doesn't fit ours, because their actions and because their focus of their life and desires of their life don't fit ours, and we just keep ourselves from that, beloved. Suddenly, we put a basket over our light, haven't we? We've come, we've become a bless me church. Just we four, no more. Come inside and close the door. We don't want to get soiled. We don't want to get spoiled. We want to stay just nice and tidy. Paul wanted them to know he was in no way telling them to withdraw from every sinful person they come in contact. But for those who say that they're a part of the family of God, believers in Jesus Christ, and yet they continue to live their lives in blatant sinfulness and disregard for the word of God and for righteousness, he says, you know what? You need to separate them from your midst. And this is where we have that problem that I was telling you about. One of the great problems of our current society. Most Christians today, and I know I'm painting a wide brush, but I believe it's, it's, it's necessary. Most Christians today don't recognize or submit themselves to spiritual authorities. They just don't. And I believe that that's worldwide, but in particular in the Western culture, we're that way. It's not as much in the Eastern cultures because, again, they're more used to the authorities over them, uh, kings and princes and those kinds of things. No, but here in the West, no, we're rugged individualists and hey, nobody got no authority over me. I'm, I'm just my own person. I'm going to live my life the way that I want to. Oh, yeah, and I'm going to live my life for you, Jesus. You see, we don't want to bow ourselves, and that's probably not the right word. We don't want to submit ourselves, let me use that word. We don't want to submit ourselves to anyone in the area of spiritual authority. And because of that, church discipline is seldom effective. Simply because the offending party... They get spoken to within the church, within the confines of the elders or the pastors, and rather than submit to the authority, that's okay, I don't need you. I'm going to go two blocks down here. There's another church with another name, with another congregation, and I'll fit in really good there. And so we go to where we don't have to deal with authority in our lives, and we're not submitted to authority, and so the maturity is lacking because of that. Some denominations, they try for church discipline in a variety of, of ways. But, but too many people, really, even in denominations, they're more than satisfied to even change denominations rather than change their sinful acts, rather than be submitted to those that call them to discipline and call them to repentance. And yet many of those churches they have a solid stance on membership, that membership to the local body. Or to the denomination. And, you know, they hope that the folks would understand hey, membership does have its privileges. But for a lot of people, it just doesn't matter at all. There's good and bad in membership versus non membership. And that's not my point. The point is very few today are willing to subject themselves to correct church discipline. And that's true with the congregation as well as to the leadership. And I've known way too many pastors. Pastors who have fallen in some major area in their lives for a while, they they submitted themselves to church discipline, to counseling, to accountability, only to, you know, in a couple of weeks or maybe a couple of months, they have this self-diagnosis of saying, hey, you know, I'm okay now. I got over that. I'm, I'm not, I don't deal with that anymore. I'm okay. And those that are trying to, again, disciple them and, and get them back reconciled to the church are say, no, you're really not okay. There's still a lot of issues in your, hey, I think that I'm okay. Well, no, you're really not okay. We can't let you back into the ministry. That's fine. I'll go start my own new independent church. You see, that's one of the issues that we do have in our culture And I'm not saying that every independent church is that way. just want to let you know I was not kicked out of Calvary Chapel, Sierra Vista, okay? We came out with full blessing. Maybe more blessing that would go, I don't know. But that's one of the problems of our culture. Because both congregation and leadership are not submitted to authority. And in their wake, those who are not willing to submit to authority whether it be a member, and particularly those who are in leadership. In their wake of non-submission, they they leave damaged people behind, damaged ministries behind. If you've been watching the news at all, you know that just this week there was a a youth pastor that was arrested up in the Phoenix area for a, a relationship that he had with a 15-year-old girl for two years. This youth pastor is married, has kids. How much damage has he caused. First of all, with that young girl, that's that's going to be with her in, her entire life. And then with his wife and his kids, and then the youth ministry itself, and then that whole church. We've been involved in, Todd and I have been involved in a couple of different churches where there was, again, infidelity with the leadership, with the pastor. And beloved, it, it does severe, severe damage. But it does it even with membership that Again, folks that are allowed to continue in disobedience, and then when they're called to disobedience, they say, Forget you. I'll go two blocks down, go to the church. Open our us from within by the open word.
0: The book of 1 Corinthians is probably best known for its passage on love in chapter 13. You've probably heard these verses spoken at weddings, but these words on the character of love can also be applied to our relationship with God. God loved us so much that He gave His Son to stand in our place of judgment. Jesus came to this earth to live a perfect life and then took every sin of every human being upon Himself, dying so that we didn't have to. That incredible love is available to you right now. If you want to know more about Jesus and the life of forgiveness and love He has waiting for you, please call us at 520-836-9676. You can also send us an email by visiting our website at theopenword.com. As a next step, we encourage you to find a solid Bible-based church to help you grow in your walk with God.
1: With a special invitation regarding that, here's Pastor David. Hey, I hope that today's message has encouraged you in your faith and given you a hunger to learn more about God. If you're in the Casa Grande area and are looking for a church to attend, I'd be honored to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. You can find directions and service times by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church homepage. We welcome you to be a part of our time of worshiping our Creator and studying the words of the Bible verse by verse, growing closer to Him each week.
0: Thanks, Pastor David. We are so glad you joined us today here on The Open Word. Pastor David will return to share more from the book of 1 Corinthians right here on The Open Word.